Section 2 of The Lost Valley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jared Wetzel Brown. The Lost Valley by Algernon Blackwood. Section 2. In the peasant's chalet, where they had a sitting room and two bedrooms, they were very comfortable. It stood on the edge of the forest that run along the slopes of Chazerot, on the side of Les Rases, furthest from Stéquois. Marie Petivel provided them with the simple cooking they liked, and they spent their days walking, climbing, exploring, Mark collecting legend and folklore, Stephen making his natural history studies with the little maps and surveys he drew so cleverly. Even this was only a division of labor, for each was equally interested in the occupation of the other, and they shared results in the long evenings when expeditions brought them back in time, smoking in the rickety wooden balcony, comparing notes, shaping chapters, happy as two children. They brought the enthusiasm of boys to all they did, and they enjoyed the days apart almost as much as those they spent together. After separate expeditions, each invariably returned with surprises which awakened the other's interest, even amazement. Thus the life of the foreign element in the hotels, unpicturesque in the daytime, noisy and overdressed at night, passed them by. The glimpses they caught as they passed these caravanserais, when gaieties were the order of the evening, made them value their peaceful retreat among the skirts of the forest. They brought no evening dress with them, not even les smokines. The atmosphere of these huge hotels simply poisons the mountains, quoth Stephen. All that haunted feeling goes. Those people, agreed Mark, with scorn in his eyes, would be far happier at Touville or Dieppe, gambling, flirting, and the rest. Feeling thus secure from that jealousy which lies so terribly close to the surface of all giant devotions, where the entire life depends upon exclusive possession, the brothers regarded with indifference the signs of this gayer world around them. In that throng there was no one who could introduce an element of danger into their lives. No woman, at least, either of them could like, would be found there. For this thought must be emphasized, though not exaggerated. Certain incidents in the past, from which only their strength of will had made escape possible, proved the danger to be a real one. Usually, too, it was some un-English woman, to wit, the Budapest adventure, or the incident in London with the Greek girl who was first Mark's patient and then Stephen's. Neither of them made definite reference to the danger, though undoubtedly it was present in their minds more or less vividly whenever they came to a new place this singular dream that one day a woman would carry off one and leave the other lonely. It was instinctive, probably, just as the dread of the wolf is instinctive in the deer. The curious fact, though natural enough, was that each brother feared for the other and not for himself. Had anyone told Mark that some day he would marry, Mark would have shrugged his shoulders with a smile and replied, No but I'm awfully afraid Stephen may, and vice versa. End of section two.